This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, Cherries fans, and welcome back to Up the Cherries in all departments and to this very, very special interview. Now, before I welcome on my special guest, here's a little bit about our sponsors, Dental on the Banks. find out what they can do for you, visit dentalonthebanks.co.uk. Now, our interview is with a player who started his career at Tottenham Hotspur before loan moves to Chesterfield, Leighton Orient and Gillingham. He did sign for Orient on a permanent basis and then made the move to Dean Court under Lee Bradbury and Steve Fletcher. Of course... This player was also part of the team that were not was not just promoted from League One, but also the Championship, and was virtually ever present in the Premier League. I think you probably know who he is, but he scored quite a special goal against Manchester City, which everybody, and to be honest, it is constantly on repeat as well, 
will remember. It is a pleasure to welcome onto Up the Cherries in all departments the one and only Charlie Daniels. Good evening, Charlie. How are you? I'm good. How are you two? Good? Yeah, very well, thank you. And thank you so much for coming on this special show with us. So, first question. Uh, let's start from the very, very beginning, Charlie. Um, what got you interested in taking up the game of football? Cool, that is early. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think every since I was born, really, I'd, like loads of people say, I just enjoyed kicking the ball about and... I'm, I got told, obviously, from mum and dad that from a very young age that I just drop kick a ball or just be in the garden, just running about with a ball, kicking the ball, and it just started from there, really. Excellent stuff. Uh, did you start as a defender or in a different position? No, I was a left winger up until until towards youth, so academy. So when I started becoming, not even as a scholar, I was a left winger. So when I turned professional... So 18, 18 years old, that's when I started to turn into a left back. It was uh, it was Martin Yole who actually suggested it. And he's the one who converted me and, and told me that I'd uh, be better playing left back. And it just started from there, really. Who would you say, Charlie, was your first footballing hero? And who did you support as a youngster? Uh, my first hero was David Beckham. Because he grew up where I grew up. We played for the same Sunday league side and obviously got went on to what what he did and what he achieved and what he brought to not only football but on, on the pitch but off the pitch as well. Uh in terms of his his stuff that he does for charity and that. And he's a he's a big name back home. So uh well not only back home but all over the world. We was in the same Sunday league side, so Ridgeway Rovers, we played uh so Harry Kane famously played played for them as well. Andros Townsend, I think Mark Noble might have played a few games. So there's there's been a, a good number of footballers that have actually come through that. So I started off at Ridgeway, then I I moved on to another Sunday League team, which was Interwood. Yeah. And then it was in that team, me, Bradley Johnson, and Colin Kazim Richards. So we was all in the, in the same Sunday League side, which was which is good, and we we won a lot of trophies from that. And uh, so he was he was my idol. And then growing up, I, I supported Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So my so I up until about nine, ten years old, I didn't didn't watch football, didn't have any any interest in watching football, just wanted to play. Didn't didn't really know about the teams, didn't really didn't really care if I was being honest. And then then when your friends start supporting supporting teams and then you got family members who support certain teams and, and that. So I just went against the grain, really, and saw that Newcastle were doing really well. And I think it was 95, 96 season when they nearly won the league, mm-hmm. playing fantastic football, you know, entertaining football. And that's that's the team that I followed, really. Sort of found fans, how nutty they were. You know, middle of December, their tops off, swinging it around. It's, it's made, it made me really, really get into football and that's where it, that's where it started from and I've been a Newcastle fan ever since. How did you end up in the Norwich you've set up? So that was a it was like a what you call it they had like different areas, different communities. So we was East London Norwich. And uh yeah we we had we had a great, quite a good side. We used to go down to uh to Colney Heath. I think the training ground is Colney Heath. And play tournaments there, 
and really perform. And then the head, the head guy who was running it, uh, I think it was Dave Massey or something Massey. Anyway, he he left to go to Arsenal to go over Arsenal, and then from there it just folded. That little section just folded. Do tell us a little bit more, Charlie, about your days at Spurs and who coached you, and what were you? Who were in your teams that went on to make a name for themselves in the game like you did? So I had when I was under seventeen, I had Jimmy Neighbour, who unfortunately mm-hmm. passed away. He was a great coach, uh, and then I had Patsy Holland, who. Obviously, winger, famous winger for West Ham. And now I think he does some stuff for Arsenal. Uh, two great coaches, old school coaches, believed in the fundamentals you know, of the game and really improved you as a, as a player and as a person as well. So it was, it was hard, but it was, it was really good and, and really enjoyable. And we had, who made it? So we had Philip, Phil Eiffel, who went on to play for the first team then played for Millwall and a few other clubs. We had uh, Danny Stevens, who went to play for, I think it was Torquay, was his most famous team. He went and played for them a few times. He had Andrew Bartram, who played for Portsmouth, for, uh, Wimbledon, a few other clubs. Uh, who else did we have? We had Mark Wright, who is on the TV now. Yeah. So we had Mark Wright. Uh, so we had we had a really good. I'm trying to think. If, oh, Jamie O'Hara. We had Jamie O'Hara as well. Who? Uh, so we had we had a good we had a good youth youth side, and I'm sure there's a couple of others who, who made appearances, which I, I'm trying to remember. But alongside that, we had Jack Magoma, mm-hmm. who played for uh, Birmingham stuff like that. So we had a good cut of age groups. We had Adam Smith coming through. Uh, so, yeah, we had a really good side. They had Kieran McKenna, who was playing a year up, who's now manager of Ipswich. So we ended up having a lot of, a lot of players who ended up having not a bad career. Who would you say was the best player you played with at Spurs as a whole? Adele Tarrapt. Adele Tarrapt, when he came over, was oh, unbelievable. The most talented footballer I've, I've, I've come across, really. And you know what what he's what he can do is is something that I could only dream about. How he manipulates the ball, how he can how he can just glide by by people, and you know create something out of nothing. So he he was definitely the best player technically that I've I've ever played with. You did make a number of loan moves whilst you were mm-hmm. at Spurs, Charlie. Um, how did those improve your game? A lot. Well, it made me grow up very quickly. So the first, the first loan I went to was Chesterfield, and I went up there on the Thursday night. Obviously, didn't probably didn't even know where Chesterfield was at that at that point. Drove up there, uh, went to the ground Friday morning. They didn't know where they were training, so I had to hang about and, and wait for them to find out where we were training. Went to some park done a little bit of training, then got told I have to have a suit, suit and tie. Didn't know anything about that before. So I had to get my mum and dad to drive up the next morning with a suit and tie before the game. So I wore that. We lost 1-0 and then the manager got sacked. 
So then I was like, all right, so welcome, welcome to football. And then on the when then we had a game on a Tuesday against Swansea away and I got injured. And then that was my season done. So that was my, that was my first loan. So that was a that was a big wake up call into what real football was about. So I've done that and then I went on loan to Leighton Orient. I think it was Leighton Orient, the next one, for a whole season, which was really good. Uh, Martin Ling was a manager, local club for me. You know, used to go down there as a kid watching them play. So it was special, special club. And, you know, that was really good. We had a really good team, really good environment, really good players, really good dressing room. Uh, so I could, I really learned how to, had to cope with first thing football playing for a whole season, and that that really put me in good stead. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then coming back, and then I ended up signing for him the following season. Uh, was leaving Spurs hard, or did you see the permanent move to Orient the right time for regular first team? Yeah, that that was my that was my thing. I think it was definitely the right time. I think it was twenty twenty one at that point. And I thought, yeah, this is this is the right time to say thanks, thanks a lot, Spurs. Like you, you made me the player that I am now. You know, professional player, and now it's time to create my own path. And I think joining Orient was definitely the right decision. And it was um, Geraint Williams that signed you, and you worked under Russell Slade. How did those managers impact your early first team football career? Geraint Williams was a massive one for me because he taught me what a left-back should be defensively. So he worked a lot on me, on my positioning, on how to defend 1v1, uh, my position in relation to the centre-backs and to the relations of the, the winger and stuff like that. So he helped me a lot. And then and then Russell Slade was just amazing in terms of his enthusiasm, the way he got, the way he managed the whole squad, I mean, you could see the way that we went on that FA Cup run. We got through to the, I think it was the fifth, sixth round. I can't remember what it was, either fifth or sixth. And it was such a special time for the, for the club. And, uh, you know, Slady was was a massive, massive part of that. How did the loan move to Dean Court come about? So that come about, it was actually Slady, actually. He, uh, it was, he pulled me after training and said... Uh, Bournemouth have come a bid for you uh, but it hasn't been accepted it's it's nowhere near where we value you so that's it so I was like alright didn't really take much notice of it if I'm being honest I just went okay thanks very much and then it got to the Friday and they said I'll come back in for you I was like okay he said but it's still nowhere near enough okay Gaffer no worries and then played the game on a Saturday then it come to the Tuesday, the following Tuesday, and he went, oh, okay, uh, the bid's been accepted. Bid's been accepted. Uh, you're going to go down there. Like, you, you decide what you do. So then I, I had a phone call from my agent. Bournemouth playing on that Tuesday night. I think, no, it was yeah, on the Wednesday night against Gillingham, you know, when Harry Arts got that worldie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, I went to watch that with my dad. Got there, I think sat next to Harry Art's dad. My dad speaking with his dad. So they're both cabbies, so they were chatting away and stuff like that, saying, "Oh, you got to come." And but before that, Stephen Purchase called me. So Perch, I was with Perchy at Leighton Orient, 
And then he went back to Bournemouth and he called me. And he's like, he said, Chaz, he said, you've got to come. He said, honestly, you come. He said, you won't want to leave. He said, it's, it's a fantastic place. He said, fantastic club. He said, you've got to come down. I was like, oh, okay. Actually, let me, let me watch a game first. <clears throat> so I was like, all right. So then went, went there on a Wednesday, watched it, missed Harry Hart's goal, but heard it was a worldie. Then travelled down on the Thursday, met uh, Lee Bradbury, mm-hmm. got shown all around the ground, uh, what the vision was from the club. Obviously, the, uh, just got taken over, what they wanted to achieve explained that we want to be a championship club within three years. And that, that's all I really need to know, really, that because I, I had ambitions to play as high as high as I could. So that's that's all that I really needed to know. So everything got done on the Thursday. Then we I trained on a Friday, uh, met the team. Obviously, the characters we had there, it was a massive squad. I remember walking in there, I think, oh, so so many players so many players and then yeah we trained on a Friday and then played on a Saturday against I think it was Oldham anyway we drew nil-nil it was a terrible game really bad but I was just happy to that I got it over the line and then moving forward really what were uh, Lee Bradbury and of course um, super big Fletch like as a management duo well, Fletch, first thing he said was that I was assistant manager, but I'm not anymore. So he he went back to being a player mm-hmm. bef- just before I come. And so I, I never knew him as a, as a manager, but Brothers was was really good. You know, he brought me in, he brought Steve Cook in, he brought Simon Francis in, all, all within a short space of time. And that just shows the, the level of, of, of calibre he, he saw in us and you know, to see what we achieved as back three at, at the four was a testament to him, which I don't know if he gets credit for or not. No, because we interviewed him recently, didn't we? Um, we did, yeah. And we said about that, didn't we, the signings that he made that mm. carried on at the club through to the Premier League. Um, but unfortunately, Brad has got sacked eventually, didn't he? And um, yeah. Groves and uh, Brooksy come in. Um, how did the coaching and change and how did the preparation for match days change yeah it changed it changed quite a bit which is which is fine you know every, every manager and, and coaches have their own way of, of preparing uh the players and then we signed frank the moves we signed frank and we signed david's as well that's it edgar david so that was that was a different dynamic because that's probably the first yes david's coven yeah so we signed we signed them two and uh you know, Frank was just unlucky, if I'm being honest. He had some real talent, top guy, but it just, it just didn't work. The, the, the league just didn't suit him. So uh, that was tough. And, it, you know, it was, it was, it was a tough period because, as I said, there was a lot, lots of players, lots of egos. Even in League One, there was lots of egos and, and people, people were frustrated, I guess. And I think it was just, it was just too much, too many players for for Brooksy and, and Grozy to, to deal with, if I'm being honest. Is there any games and or performances that stand out for for you during the early days at Bournemouth? Good or bad? 
<laughs> uh, both. Let's go for both. <laughs> oh. Uh, the bad one was Crawley away. That was a bad one, from what I can remember. That was that was that was a that was a bad point from me. Uh, no, if I'm being honest, there, there was until Eddie and, and Jason and that come back. I wouldn't I wouldn't say we was we was doing really well, but uh, definitely the lowest that I felt was it was Swindon away as well. I can remember. Swindon away and Crawley away was the two that just stand out in my mind at the minute, yeah, before Eddie and Jason come back. So with the return of Eddie and, and JT, um, what impact did that have on, on you as a player and as the whole club? <sighs> Massive. I mean, where, where do you start? It was just the whole club just seemed to turn around and... Uh, I think who who was here? Who would have been there? Like Pewey, I think was still there from when Eddie was there before. Harry Arter and a couple of others. Brett, no, Brett went away, didn't he? Come back. But there was a few, and they were like, oh, like, like you wait to see what training's like. Training's going to be so good. And then as soon as they come back, training ramped up from zero to a hundred, and it was so good. I was so happy because I'm. The way that I trained was the way that I played. So I, every day I wanted to go in and try and improve. And I was like that every single day. I don't like wasting a day. Even now as a coach, I don't like people wasting a day because it's, it's life's too short. Life's too short to waste. So, uh, yeah, I, I just loved every single minute of it. Like hard work, I loved it. Loved the running, loved training, loved improving. And you could see the improvement, not only me, but the whole squad and the people that didn't want him to improve or didn't want to apply themselves fell by the wayside quite quickly. Were you quite surprised that Eddie turned it round so quickly, considering when he, he did come in, um, we were down the bottom of League One? I can't, I can't say because I didn't work with him before. So I couldn't I couldn't really say what it was like before. Was I surprised or not? It was just it was just how we worked and how how we responded to him. I guess uh, we was quite apart from Fletch, I guess Perchy as well. We was, it was quite a young group, mm-hmm. so we was quite enthusiastic and like wanting to ego. But the, the main thing about us was that we all wanted to improve. We wanted to be up the table. We didn't want to be down the bottom, and. Uh, and that showed with the way not only we trained, but the way that we played as well. After Eddie come back, what was the best performance of that season for yourself and as a team? Uh, trying to remember, it was, it was, it's a long time ago, isn't it? It is a long time ago. It is a long time ago. I don't think I began talking about it. Uh, what was the best game? Can't really tell you. Oh, wait a minute. We played Hartlepool away. I remember I was struggling with my foot. And I think I broke my foot, but I, was, I carried on. I was playing and uh, having a few weeks. And we, we was that good that obviously I could play with a broken foot. <laughs> and it was a problem. I think I lasted 60 minutes and we we got clapped off by their fans at half time. Hartlepool away, yeah. Impressive. 
Yeah. And it was icy, it was cold, it was freezing. But uh, yeah, but we uh, we played really well that day. That's the one that sticks in my mind. Of course, we made, made the championship. Um, and of course, how did you find it differed from League One um, before and League Two? And from a fan's point of view, Honestly, we thought that you took to the championship like a duck to water. Um, were there any changes that you had to make to your game? No, I, th- I think we was prepared as as a as a team and as a squad really because of the way that we trained. I think we was training like a championship squad at that at that point in time. So we was prepared and and going through that season, we got we got halfway through the season. And we, well, actually late than that, probably about March time. Mm-hmm. And we was in a good place. Yeah. And then I think there was, I got injured. And I think Tommy Alfie got injured at the same time. And we ended up, I think we ended up 10th, didn't we? And I think yeah. there was another, other, two other, two or three other people that got injured. And it just, we just fell off it at the end. And we was, we was really disappointed that we didn't get in the playoffs. With the first, with our first season, so so going into the following season, we was really we had a, the bit between our teeth really to really push on and kick on, and and fear no one, which was our main motto. We didn't fear anyone. Um, who who did you um, feel was your most challenging opponent in the championship? Which player did you come up against that you thought today's going to be a well, bit of a challenge for me? Yeah, there's a couple. I, I mean, Adama Traore just because of his, just because he's so quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was young at that time, so I don't, he didn't have the qualities he, he has now in terms of the the end product. But he was still really, really quick, like he is now. Uh, so that that's always going to give you problems. But apart from that, I mean, they all. I think anyone who was who kept moving, who really thought about the game and that, like, I think there was, it was always going to give you problems. But mostly at home, any any home game, I think I was, we was all comfortable in the way that we played, knew where everyone was. So we was always, we was, we was always up for the challenge. So I wouldn't say I was really, like, uh, scared about anyone. It was just, I was up for the challenge. And if someone got the better of me on the day, then well done to them. What was it like um, battling with Ian Hart for that left back spot? You know, that was, for me, that was great. You know, having the quality and the career that Ian had, Hart he had, and just watching, I used to watch him train, used to watch him play if I wasn't playing, if he was playing, see what he was doing, see if I could pick up anything that would make me a better player. And to, to have the privilege of being part of a squad with Ian Hart, was was a massive thing for me and I learned so much from him, which he probably don't even know about, but it's something that I just watching him, watching I said Harry, I mean the the qualities he's had with his left foot is is frightening. So the 2014-15 season will obviously live in everyone's memory. Um but for someone who played a part in it, what what's your memories that really stand out for you? Did, was it eight 0 that season? Yeah, that was the Birmingham away game, yeah. wasn't it? 
that was that was unbelievable that game i think everyone was trying to score it was it was one of the yeah it was a, it was a perfect game basically everyone was everything just went our way and then there was another one i'm was the blackpool game that season or was that the previous season when we won I think that was that season wasn't it 6-1 Five one six one. Was that season? Did yeah. you go to that game? Yeah, yeah. So it was. It was. We turned up, and it was like a beach. Yeah. Sand everywhere. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We all looked at each other. Oh my god! What the hell is going on here? And I think they've done it on purpose. Yeah. So we just done like we always did. Just okay. We just get on with it. Try and play. And we played some unbelievable football that day. And. uh that sticks out in my mind as well, just because of the way that they they tried to make it even, which is down to them. But we was we uh, we didn't like drop our drop our standards. We we uh, kept away we was. So that was that was two that stick in my mind. And then the famous ones we got Bolton at home. Mm-hmm. So on the Saturday when all all the the. Uh, all the results just went our way out of nowhere. And then going into that Monday, I just remember walking in the dressing room, looking around, and I just went, Yeah, we're we're fine. We're gonna win today. And then as soon as as soon as Pewie scored that goal, then we was we was flying. There was no way we was losing that game. And then going and then all the celebrations and everything afterwards, the whole the whole town for the whole week was was such a great place to be. And then going into the Saturday against Charlton, obviously we, we didn't expect to, to be. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Crown champion, so we was we was in full flow. Some great football scored up so quite early, scored a great goal. Our first goal was really good. Yeah, so we, yeah, we, I saw that a great first goal and then uh, three new up and then we just, we was playing, playing people really. If I'm being honest, we're playing keep ball for a bit, and then all of a sudden you just hear the crowd start cheering, and then all our benches up cheering, cheering, and that. And then I was on the opposite side, so then the news just comes filtering across, filtering across, and now everyone's I'm bombing forward. I'm trying to score. I'm trying to get on the the score sheet just to get my name on the on that on that uh, score sheet, and you know the celebrations after was just so good because it was unexpected. If we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was just the, the realization of being crowned champions is something that not many players get to do or get to achieve. So to, to actually win a trophy in, in your footballing careers is, is, is a big thing. And it's 
probably one of the hardest leagues in the world mm. to win because it is so competitive, the championship. But, you know, the way and the manner that we handled that right at the very end of that season was just amazing. Um, I'm sure the celebrations went l- long into the night. So. Yes, yes, it definitely did. And I'll, I'll, while I'm on, I just want to say the so we you got to think about the players that didn't play a lot during that season, yeah. who were so crucial, who like didn't kick up a fuss, didn't just got on with it, knew the team, it was good for the team, and uh, so I think Adam Smith didn't play a lot, mm-hmm. Dan Gosling didn't play a lot, uh, Junior Stanislas didn't play a lot. And I'm sure there's more, but then three off the top of my head who went on to have good careers with Bournemouth didn't play a lot during that season, but was so crucial to us as a squad and kept the squad harmony. And it was, I just wanted to say that they're like, they they were, so it's not only the 11 that were on the pitch, it was the whole squad that, that got us promoted. And the celebrations were very, very good after. <laughs> Is that as far as you can go? Yeah. No, I think, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure we went to Vegas that that yeah we did. We went to Vegas that summer, so that that was that was really good because that's that's a combination of everyone who was who was part of it going out there together and celebrating together, which was which is the whole point in it. If you if you got wins if you win something, then you have to celebrate it because it doesn't happen very often. Definitely. Definitely, we were celebrating anyway. That's it, yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. was celebrating. It's a great, yeah, yeah. very great heavily time. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, how did it feel to finally reach the big time and make your debut in the Premier League? What was that first game like? It was really, I think, I wouldn't say surreal because we was at home. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that changed the most between the championship and the Premier League was the media. Like the media, we had like you had to do a whole more was it a day? Near enough a whole day of doing media stuff, which well, I've never done before. So that that whole thing, then you start to build up and then you're doing then you see yourself on the, the fantasy Premier League and stuff like you see yourself on the TV a lot more. You see yourself on FIFA, you see yourself on playing cards and trading cards and panini stickers and stuff like that. And that's when you think, oh, wow, like what what an achievement. And that just makes you want to kick on even further. Yeah, definitely. Uh, being the underdogs, um, where did the squad get the belief from that little old Bournemouth could stay in the big time and compete with the big boys? Our first meeting. So our first meeting was, we was all in a room and then Eddie put on the chart, what advantages do we have? going into the Premier League and what disadvantage do we have going to the Premier League and we ended up with more advantages than there was disadvantages so <clears throat> from then we took great belief in that and and like we do like the way that we train and the way we are together and our preparations and our hunger basically to want to stay in, stay in the league and we knew it was going to be tough we knew it was going to be tough times ahead but with us all together together anything is possible as we say then yeah it's it's always there was always a goal who would you say was the best player that you played against and why god there's too many uh i mean you can say kevin de bruyne for one he's just he doesn't 
if you actually watch him, he's not he's not the fastest, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, he's not the quickest, but he's a fantastic player. He just gets himself in the right position and he can cut. He's doing it, he's still doing it now. He's just knife through butter. He can play them splitting passes. And if you if you judge yourself like the the teams lower down or, or in the championship when you look at the top top players the levels it's just it's just a big difference there is a big difference because there's 11 11 of them who make a, a difference to the team not just not just one or two players there's 11 of them i mean if you can look at man city you look at edison and you look at uh allison as well the way that they start attacks or can assist it, it puts you on the back foot already before you even started because you think you've got them penned in and then one kick and they're, they're on on the goal. Actually, mentioning about Manchester City, um, mm. I think we've got to mention something at this point. Um, and yeah, that, is, that, that goal, it must rank as your best goal, but also is heralded as one of the best goals in the Premier League ever. Just... Tell us what went through your mind that day. Uh, shoot, no. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was the third game of the season. And we had, again, we were in a, in a meeting. And I'm sure we didn't have a shot on target that day. Uh, that's in them first two games. I think we didn't start the season off great. And then, then I thought to myself, look, if I get a chance, I'm going to have a shot. If I get a chance, just like normal, if you get a chance, have a shot. And then Gozo run down the line, put, put the ball in, and then I can't remember who headed it out, and it was bobbling up nicely. I just thought, oh, yeah, why not? And then, uh, yeah, just went in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it went in. Uh. Bet you couldn't do that again if you tried, could you? No, no, I think I <laughs> no. no I'll, I'll, to be fair, I don't know if I've tried or not, but I probably, I probably have tried a few times since then. I was at the gym the other day, and they're still showing it on the TV there. You know, yeah. all these years later. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a nice. It's definitely a nice moment for me personally to, to have, and you know, it's it was it was a fantastic strike. And say if I tried it again, I probably can't do it again, but. It was it was one of them moments that that will live with me forever. What was the best overall team performance that you were involved in during the Premier League era? Uh, there was a few. Man United one sticks out for me because of the significance with Harry Arter and his yeah. um, daughter. That that will that's a that's a big game for me personally, because I lived next door to Harry R at, at the time. So it was a, it was a big personal personal thing for me. Uh, again, beating Newcastle 3-1 and me scoring, yeah. that was a big personal one for me. Obviously scoring against uh, the team that I supported at the Gallagher end, it was, it was a nice feeling. Uh, what else? Beating Chelsea at the bridge uh, was was really good and then beating them at home as well and scoring uh, after my when my dad was ill uh, was was obviously a special special moment for me because uh, I, I was I was having a tough time I was having a tough time during that during that season 
yeah, with 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 dad being in hospital and stuff like that and suffering with cancer. So it was that was that was a tough period to me, but uh that was that was a special game. Uh and there's so many Aston Villa, when I come back from my my left knee injury, uh beating them one nil and unfortunately doing my right knee in in, in the following game. But uh there's there was so many there's so many games that was that were if you're talking about team performance. I think every time we won, it was a team performance. It wasn't really an individual brilliance. There might be one or two, but if you're looking at our, our whole history, it's, it was been it's definitely been a team performance. The great thing about our teams were that everybody got on so well together, mm. and you could tell that they were all best mates. Was there one particular best mate that you had, or was it that we were just such a solid unit? Nothing. We were we were such a solid unit. I could, if I wanted to know, I could pick up the phone, speak to anyone, and it'd be the same 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 reaction. I'm sure from from them trying to call me. It was uh, we had such a special group, and you don't really realise it until you leave or until you go somewhere else, and you you hear other people say, oh, we, like we had such a good dressing room. Honestly, the way that we. We con- not controlled it, but the way that we behaved with ourselves, the way we respected each other, the way we helped each other on and off the pitch, the way uh, we trained, the way we worked hard, you know, uh, it was it was a special dressing room. And that was that was driven by everyone, not just the the coaches, the management. It was driven by all of us players as well. What are your thoughts on VAR? Um, obviously, that's coming to play now, and I, and I think the last season uh, you were with us. I think it just started, hadn't it? VAR. Yeah. Um, from a player's perspective, what you know? How do you feel VAR? Well, I've never played I played a game in it with VAR, but if it takes you three and four minutes to make a decision, for me, that's something's something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. If if it's like if it's not clear cut, but if the ball's gone in, it's gone in. If it's offside, it's offside. Uh, but if you happen to take three or four minutes to decide whether it's offside or onside, it should just be onside. It's, there shouldn't be any. There shouldn't be any. Let's not try and make it nil nils and stuff like that. It's, it's just give them the goal. If it takes you three four minutes to work out if something's onside or offside, the only problem I have with it at the minute is the handball rule. I mean, if you look at Jay Z's penalty the other week. Yeah, yeah. How are you how are you supposed to slide without putting your arm, your trading arm out? It's yeah. just impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. And uh, some, yeah, some of the handballs that have been shown or given, should I say, has been like you've got come on. Like, mm. It's it, it's it's very very harsh. But if they're consistent with it, you can kind of understand it. But still, it's. For me, it's it's in the wrong situation at the minute, so it, that needs to be changed. Was it special to return to White Hart Lane all those years after you left um, as a player? It was, yeah, it was. I mean, I played Youth Cup there uh, for a few times, and just going there and watching watching all the players play, and obviously trying to get there one day, and to actually go back and. They were they were kind enough to say former Spurs player. Obviously, I didn't make a first team appearance, but it was in the academy, and it it was nice. Got a nice clap and stuff like that. And it's 
it was nice. Probably not for me, for me, but probably for my family who was in the crowd as well. It was not, it was nice for them. So obviously we mentioned the um, the Man City goal. Um, mm. What other goals have you scored in your career that are amongst your favourites? Uh, the Newcastle goal, which I spoke about, mm-hmm. was good. Uh, the whole whole goal when we won five one five nil. Oh yeah, 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 yeah five nil on like half volley. The Arsenal goal. Uh, the Chelsea goal, which I spoke about, I'm trying to think. The Middlesbrough goal, I think, was a bit underrated. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I keep showing lads that because that's that's quite a good goal, which yeah. doesn't really get the recognition I think it deserves. Uh, trying to think of any more. Yeah, probably probably them ones. Them ones that are up there. Uh, I haven't scored any tappings, which is, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But, uh, defend, defenders normally don't score tappings. They're always quite special, your goals. Mm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <what> <laughs> yeah, don't score, t- yeah, don't score tappings. It was, uh, they were always nice strikes. So the, um, the, which injury was it? Is it kneecap injury? Kneecap education, yes. Yeah, so I've done it on both. On both. Mm. Um, so obviously that kept you out for majority of the season, didn't it? That year? Yeah, it ended up being 14 months. So my left one was quite straightforward. So it just literally just, I went to cross and training and it went, it literally just popped in and out. Didn't think anything of it. Got up, walked back into the the, uh, the physio room and they were like, oh, you've got, going to have to go see a, uh, a surgeon. I was like, all right. So I was a bit worried and then went down there. He was like, yeah, yeah, you need you need surgery because it could happen again and it could be worse. So I was like, okay. It was towards the back end of the season, so I was like, don't miss too many games. And then that's when I come I come back. I done my own preseason. Ended up playing against Lazio, I think, for the majority of it, and then then sitting on the bench at the first league game. They played the second league game against Aston Villa, which we won one nil, and then started. The next game of Man City, that's when I done my right one. So my right one was worse because then the cartilage behind my knee come off and it was just floating about in my knee. So it was it was a career ending injury, the surgeon said. But he said, look, obviously the, the more you do in the rehab, the obviously better it is. So what he did was I'll show you photos if you want. So what he did was he, he cut my he obviously cut my knee, flipped over the kneecap, found the bit of cartilage, pricked it back on, flipped it back, stabilized it, stitched it up. And then if I just get it up. So this is what it looked like. Can you see that? So that's what it looked like. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So because it was, because it was such a big cut, they had to, uh, they had to staple it. So they stapled it. And then I had to, I don't know if you can see this. Do you know this machine? 
Do you know that machine? Have you ever seen that machine before? I haven't. No. No, can't say I have. No. So you that just moves your knee in and out. So I was on that for about ten hours a day, eight to ten hours a day, for the first twelve weeks. So I was on. Yeah, I was on that. Obviously, getting in a routine again. Up in the morning, two hours, two hours, two hours, two hours, two hours throughout the day, and then sleeping. Sleeping was tough uh but it was it was what i needed to do and then so it started from there then the staples were out and then started the rehab process and then and then i was fortunate enough that i got a stem cell injection mm-hmm. which i think was really helped so i ended up getting a stem cell injection in the january uh which regrows the cells so they make them like fresh cartilage so they, they grew in the lab and then they injected them back in uh and then yeah so then the cartilage becomes like a baby cartilage yeah now you have to like proper compress it again compress it which makes it mature so then i had to build up from there and then it took it took a long time but i ended up getting back getting back into into playing situation around the end of August. And then obviously I was out of contract at the time, so it might have been July, July, August. And then it come and then we was then I got told by the club. So this is when it gets a bit sad. Not sad, but it gets a bit I get a bit annoyed about it. So the club said if you play if you play in a reserve game if you play they call it return to play so if you get through this amount which was 45 minutes if you get through 45 minutes there'll be a contract okay no problem played in 45 minutes scored against your overall oh no 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 the club want now you to do like a proper return to play contract so you got to do 60 minutes 70 minutes 90 minutes okay no problem done 75 minutes the next game still no contract no 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 we're gonna wait we're gonna wait then i've done 90 minutes against i think it was easily done 90 minutes against easily i remember jay-z was playing in that game done 90 minutes against easily no no contract so then i just left and that was the end of it out of all them years that was it that was the end of bournemouth which was quite a sad way of it to end, if I'm being honest. Not the way that I expected it to end, and but you know, fo- football moves on. Who are you still in contact with, Charlie, from your days at Dean Court? Are you in contact with the likes of Cookie, Frano? Yeah, Cookie, most uh, Cookie. I still speak to Frano, uh, Pewy. Obviously, can't yeah. can't not speak to Pewy. Uh, Matty Ritchie. Mm-hmm. We man, I've spoke to a couple of times. Uh, I spoke to everyone. We also spoke to. Uh, Hates I've spoke to. Sirs I've spoke to. Brett I speak to a lot. Still, you know, there's still loads of people I, I speak to. Uh, like whenever, whenever I can, or every now and again, I still try and drop them a message saying how are you and that and what you're up to. But you always come back. Obviously, I've got Gozo. Gozo's still yeah. here. 
Yeah. yeah. Excellent. See Gozo new enough every day. Uh, Smart just spoke to last couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, you still speak to... Listen, you can't speak to everyone, but you'll try and speak to as many as many as you can. So, obviously, moving on from, from Bournemouth, um, Shrewsbury was your next yeah. stop. Um, yeah. Was it a shock playing lower league football again or had it changed much since you last played in those divisions or yeah well it was during COVID so there were no fans which was which was the most disappointing for me uh it was I wouldn't say it was a shock it was I just wanted to play football again because I I, I didn't want someone to tell me that I was retired I wanted yeah. to go out on, on my own terms so I've really I went up there <clears throat> like a kid again really just just happy to be playing, happy to be out there, happy to be running about the pitch. And uh it was it's a Shrewsbury's a really, really good club. Kind of like Bournemouth. It reminds me a lot of Bournemouth's like a like a local club, local supporters trying to improve themselves in every aspect. And you know, I've I've really got a fond fond liking uh for Shrewsbury. And then, of course, you moved south again, uh, um, moved to Portsmouth, yes. um, and you played in the Papa John's Trophy final. Mm. How did you enjoy your time at Pompey? Uh, that was tough, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that was really tough. I, like off the pitch, like moving, and yeah, just it was just unfortunately, it was just one of them things. It just didn't work. It just didn't work. And again, I think if there was a if there were fans. If there were fans in it, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. But the uh, the atmosphere that I felt going into the into the club and everything, it just it just it just wasn't wasn't for me. Yeah, and uh, it was just one of the things. It's just listen, I'm not right now. I'm not saying I'm 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 right in the way it is, but it was it was it just didn't just didn't feel right for me and. Uh, but yeah, I just wish that the fans were in because I'm guaranteed it would have made me a lot more, a lot happier just to be playing in front of the fans. Yeah, definitely. You ended your playing days at Colchester. Um, mm-hmm. Did you feel that the playing days were coming to an end then? Um, you know, what finally made you decide to retire? Well, I started. In, I started coaching at Watford uh, during my time at, at Colchester, and then I was finding that. I was enjoying playing. I was enjoying playing for Colchester. It's a great set of lads, you know. Again, great club, great. It's got a great platform, foundations to build on that club, uh, which I feel needs needs to be done. Uh, but you know, the coaching was coming more prevalent for me. I was enjoying coaching more than I was playing. And that's that's what kind of geared me to to wanting to be a coach. I've always wanted to be a coach, ever even even when I was playing. I always wanted to be a, ma- a manager, and uh, it just something that when I got the opportunity, which was I was very fortunate at, at Watford to, to be given the opportunity. Then I just thought it was, it was definitely the right time, and you know the transition is is really really quick, really easy, really simple, and uh, you know it gives me. A great starting point for my for my next career. 
And of course, um, as everybody can see, like you say, you're at Watford at the moment. Yeah. Are you still doing your coaching badges there? I've finished. I've just got the pro to do, which hopefully I will do in in the next couple of years, whenever I can get on on the on the course, because you know it's such a such a small course to, to be on. But uh, hopefully, I'll get on in, in the next few years. But I've, apart from that, I've done everything else, so I'm I'm geared and I'm ready to go into into management if need be, if if I get the opportunity. But I'm at the minute, I'm I'm really enjoying doing the under 18s here at Watford. You know, it's a, it's a great first point for me. It's a great learning curve. Uh, Everything's going well at the minute, and uh, hopefully that continues. Excellent stuff. And just one final one for you, Charlie. Um, mm-hmm. So, obviously, your long-term ambition then: staying coaching, become a manager. Do you have a yeah. future Bournemouth manager on our hands here? Then, hope so. Yeah, <laughs> hope so. Yeah, that'd be that'd be. I mean, if we if we could, if there was an opportunity. Then it's definitely something that I I wouldn't wouldn't turn down lightly. You know, it's uh, you know, it's the the club that's in my heart. It's uh, it gave me the opportunity to to be a Premier League player, and you know, gave me so much joy in in football. And it's if I can give something back, then it will be it'll be a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Charlie. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and. All the very, very best at Watford. And um, hopefully one day, um, fingers crossed, we'll see you in a Bournemouth jacket on the touchline as manager, um, teaching the future um, how to score goals like that one against Man City. Because we'd love <laughs> to see it again, to be honest. Thanks very much for having me. That was, Not... uh, it's been really good. Thank you so much, Charlie. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers, Charlie. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on this show. Please remember to hit the like, the subscribe, the bell button, share with all your friends and share on any forums that you might go on to. Um, Also, do check out our other interviews. Of course, one player that Charlie did play with was Steve Cook. And we did an interview with him almost a year to the day as this one is being released. We've also had, of course, James Hater on recently. We've had Lee Bradbury, of course, the manager. Um, we even had Biggin on as well. Um, he, of course, told his story just over a year ago as well. So please do check out those interviews. We will have much, much more coming up soon. Um, we are going to be focusing on the World Cup as well. So do check out videos around that. Of course, we do cherry picking um, with Matt and Sam and Manny um, will get involved as well. So please, please do check out the channel and hit that bell, hit that subscribe, give us a like, tell us what you think of this interview. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you on behalf of myself and Matt. Thank you for checking out the video. Up the cherries and we'll see you very, very soon. Thank you for joining us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.